Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Balls Over the Top podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Collins. And I'm Michael Rock. And we have a little bit of sad news here to start off the show today. An animal friend, my girlfriend's cat, we had to put down today after a long battle of cancer, little CC, uh, just two and a half years old. But as a result, we here at Balls Over the Top yep. want to honor the memory of a of a very wonderful little feline friend. And as a result, we're going to be donating a dollar for each play this podcast gets over the next month to Spay and Save, which kind of sounds like a grocery store, but it's not. It's a cat adoption agency. It's the cat adoption agency that CC came from. Uh, they do great work here in our wonderful city of Philadelphia. And we hope to look to help them continue their mission and bring more wonderful feline friends into more loving families. Yeah, and uh, we're really excited about this. Obviously, it's a sad day. You know, it's never an easy process losing a pet. You know, they're part of the family, part of the household. And yet we think this is a really great way to honor CC and, you know, contribute toward a great organization that helped, you know, bring her into your life. Absolutely. Keep that in mind, you know, rest in peace, CC. Yes, so please feel free to share around, have your your friends press play. And we're also going to be posting links to the organization's yeah spay and saves website uh on our socials so if you want to either check them out or provide them any additional support yourselves you know we'll have links to be able to do all of that yeah we'll help facilitate that moving on though we do have a lot of things in the sports world to talk about we have so much sports to talk about and we can jump right into it because we've got plenty of world football to talk about yeah it's been an exciting week here a lot of really great games this past weekend. You know, teams finally getting back into the swing of things. They had the international break for a moment there. You know, then last week kind of was their first week back into it. We saw a couple of upsets, a couple of big-name teams maybe not performing how we'd expect them to at this point in the season. And I think we've seen some great matches, though. Absolutely. It- there's no doubt that there's been a depth of entertaining football to watch. Chelsea last week ended up with a victory over Wren 2 to 1 and secured their spot into the final 16 of the Champions League, which I'm stoked about. They're still up in the air whether they're going to be top of the group or second, which obviously finishing top is a huge <laughs> What was <laughs> Did you just learn what obviously was? Did you just learn that word? Is that your word of the day? I somehow somehow bit my lip while I was talking, which I I didn't even know was possible. (laughs) And it just threw me off the rails. Yeah, that that ruined the whole word. Let's get back to it. So, yeah, Chelsea taking the the victory last week against Ryan. It was closer than they would have wanted, 2-1, to but they're able to get themselves into the champions league round of 16 but whether or not 
their top first or second is still up in the air. They have to play Sevilla this week, which could decide it, or this match ends in a draw. There's a chance it could still be decided in a match day six next week. But there's a several other teams that have also qualified for the round of 16. Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Porto, Juventus, Liverpool, Manchester City, and Sevilla have all notched their spot, punched their tickets, so to speak, in the next round. Again, some of them, the seating is still up in the air, but... You're in. You're in, exactly. I mean, you're in the dance. There's a couple more matchups that are going to really be important, you know, deciding who gets there. Atalanta versus Ajax means essentially the winner advances. Uh, That's going to be huge. I mean, Atalanta really dropped the ball today. They dropped some points. Mm-hmm. They've had with a, Ended up with a draw against Midland or Midland or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Ajax really fought hard against Liverpool, but just ended up falling just short at the end. The... Manchester United PSG Leipzig group is really going to be an interesting one, you know, coming down the stretch. United needs one point to secure their spot, but pretty much all these teams have traded shots at one another. Yes. And so we could very easily see any of the two. I mean, United... They only need one point to guarantee their spot, but they're playing against PSG and Leipzig, which they could easily lose both of those games. I mean, I don't want to say easily, but you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It could happen. So, Yes, the drop-off from NU to the, to the teams that closely follow them in, in PSG and Leipzig, it's not, it's not a very significant drop-off. So that, that group is going to go well, right down to the and wire. And then you look at... A team like United, and it's just such a Jekyll and Hyde situation. I mean, you never know which team you're going to get with them. They could come out and they could thrash either of those teams five to nil, or they could come out and lay an egg and and be down two nothing, three nothing before they know it. You know, mm-hmm. and I tend to root, even though I, you know United are rivals of Chelsea. You know, Liverpool of late have been driving me nuts. Same with Man City. But I tend to root for English teams because I believe that the English league is the top Pre- league. The Premier League? Oh, oh. Yes. So, in general, I like to see English teams advance because it drives me nuts when you see these uncompetitive leagues or less competitive leagues where they just have one powerhouse team like Bayern that can still just come in and just wipe the floor up with everybody. So I hope United can get it done, but we'll see. They're going to be interesting matchups to keep an eye on. The real interesting group is this group of death that we have going on where nothing's decided, everything's up in the air, and that is the group containing Real Madrid, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Inter Milan, and Shakhtar all have to face off against each other in determining right now Gladbach is in the lead with eight points, requiring two more to advance, but with only one match day left, so they need to win to secure it for themselves, or they need a whole bunch of other shenanigans to happen because they are down on goal differential against Inter, so if they lose and Inter wins, they're 
in Europe all of a sudden if it comes out that Shakhtar beats Inter. Shakhtar could very well be in, and then depending on where Real Madrid Mugladbach ends up, we'll see who's going to Europe and who gets to go to the round of 16. Well, it's going to come also, right down to the wire. There's also a re- possibility here where Real Madrid finds themselves out, out of everything. Out they of find themselves in fourth place. And that would be a first for ages. I mean, it's going to be the first time maybe ever that Real Madrid hasn't gotten out of the group stage. Since I've been following soccer, I haven't I haven't seen it. One other group, and I'm happy to talk about it because much like Manchester United, Dortmund need one point in two games to advance. They face off against Lazio and they face off against Club Rouge in the coming match days. And it's looking like they're going to possibly have an advance in their future but they do need the one point to secure it yeah it's definitely gonna you know it could come down to the wire if Lazio really shows up tomorrow but I imagine they get the job done tomorrow with either a win or a draw Mm -hmm. and see themselves you know able to take their foot off the gas a little bit in that match day six against Club Bruges even though I imagine that they could easily get a result out of that match if they if push came to shove, you know. Mm-hmm. In the Europa League, we have some interesting match, uh, you know, some interesting things to keep an eye on as well. There's so many teams over there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's such a just carpet bomb of Gr- teams. Groups are alphabetically sorted, and it's like you get up to like H, and you're like, okay, I know one of the, I know one of the teams in Group H. And, yeah, it's a lot of teams, but teams that are qualified to advance to their round of 32, we have Roma, Arsenal, Granada, Leicester City, Villarreal, and TSG Hoffenheim. Yep, and I imagine that Tottenham Hotspurs are not far behind there either. They have nine points currently. Exactly. They're They're, They're very close, so they'll look to wrap it up on Thursday same with Napoli's very close. They'll look to wrap it up on Thursday. You know, just two of the big big clubs. But it's going to be fun to keep an eye on. You know, both of these competitions are a lot of fun. And the fact that they've been playing every week as opposed to every two weeks. It's been electric. It's been constant constant football. But it, exactly. has, it has resulted in many injuries coming about. Yeah, but, you know, they also get the five subs, which has been an additional strategic and also, you know, resting aspect of of these matches. So either way, it's definitely provided a different, you know, different spark, Mm -hmm. maybe a a different angle. Mm -hmm. It's been fun. Allows teams to really change their strategy as games advance. Yeah, moving into the domestic leagues, we had a couple of talking points, but nothing too over the top. In the Premier League, it was Roman Abramovich's thousandth match as Chelsea owner. Mm-hmm. Acquired the club in 2003, I believe. It's yeah. been quite some time. And it's something insane where he's going. he's gone through like 13, 14 managers, so... You know, that being said, it has been one of the most successful reigns in club history. He's been willing to 
open up his checkbook when it is needed. And despite the fact that he seems kind of shady and kind of like, you know, I don't know. I feel like you wouldn't want to be on Roman Abramovich's bad side. Um, I don't know if I could complain as a Chelsea fan, you know, with him as the owner. No. I, you know, maybe I think he can be a little bit quick triggered with uh, players over 30. Well, players over 30, as well as moving on from managers too quickly. Mm-hmm. But you like a owner who's willing to splash for big players and keep the club competitive year in, year out. Yep, and always look for change, always look for ways to improve the club. We did see a scary moment. Yeah, terrifying, really. Uh, in a matchup over the weekend. Mm-hmm. The Wolves were playing Arsenal against Arsenal, and it was a fifth really, minute. Yeah, early on. I mean, very early on, a terrifying clash of heads between Raul Jimenez and David Luiz, and it resulted in Jimenez being stretchered off the field. I mean, taken to a local hospital. He was. It looked as though he was unconscious at one point. He was diagnosed with a fractured skull. Fractured skull, and it was close to. Well, actually, there was ten minutes. Of on-field stoppage. I, I've never seen an on-field stoppage like it. Not in the first uh, half. And it was crazy. I mean, it, it you know, the whole game stopped, and it was a pretty scary scary moment for the players, scary moment, you know, for for fans. And we obviously wish the best for Raul Jimenez. He's a really, really talented... Mexican uh, international. Yeah. And, and, and a very good striker in last the year, Premier League Last side. year was one of the, I mean, I think top three for the Golden Boot. I mean, him and Adama Traore's matchup has really been something that's carried the Wolves into the top half of the Premier League consistently. I mean, they've kind mm-hmm. of made a home there now. Mm-hmm. And... So we hope, you know, he's able to get healthy, return to the team, and, and keep that team exciting to watch. And, you know, obviously, safety and health, top priority. So, But the B storyline from this is David Luiz's side of the injury, also down quite a bit, clearly bleeding from his head. Bleeding profusely, I mean, to the tune where he was heavily bandaged and he was still Soaking bleeding through, through the bandage. Yeah. yeah. And still yeah. played out. Through the, the half. Through the rest of the first half. Which Only is astonishing. Later. Yeah, and I think the fact that he got subbed off is really an indicator that they made a mistake there. If he were really healthy and fine, he would have played the whole game, especially because Arsenal is relatively thin at central defender right now. Mm-hmm. And this is an example of the sport, whether it's, well, all of the above. It's the sport, it's the coaches, it's the management. It's, it's the, the FA. It's the FA, it's the referees, it's the officiating, it's whatever you want it's to call systemic. it. systemic. Exactly. Not protecting the players and not having the be- the player's best interest in mind. Absolutely. The player is a competitor. He is going to say, yeah, I can keep going, yeah, I can keep playing, especially when it's a game of the magnitude that this game has, considering Arsenal's recent struggles. Wolves are, uh, of late, a top 10, top 6 team even. And And Arsenal finds himself at 14th place in the table. Exactly. So, of course, he's going to want to keep himself in. As the coach, whether it's the, the manager, whether it's one of the player coaches, whether it's the physios, somebody needs to be saying, hey, this is unacceptable. Get him out of here. And it shouldn't take until halftime. Should not, no. Speaking of keeping player health and you know safety a priority, we do see 
Premier League at least taking some steps here. Mm-hmm. It appears as though they are calling off a game here, or at least, you know, postponing the Aston Villa versus Newcastle matchup as a result of some positive player tests, I believe, on Aston Villa, uh, right? From, uh, yeah. from Newcastle. Oh, from Newcastle. Yes. So, uh, But regardless, it's, it's good to see proactive action prevent a, a large spread. You know, I mean, we're seeing it. We're prep. seeing it in most of the leagues. Uh, you know, especially in the NFL, it's been a crazy week for that. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll get to it later. But the we've talked about it multiple times now. The Ravens Steelers game getting pushed back multiple times. Yep. And yes, these are good signs, but you want to see the players not getting it in the first place. And I know I sound, you know, it's uh, which I mean is a very tall ask, but but it's it's. You know, we still don't know the long-term health effects of these, especially with certain things like clotting and and other weird long-term side effects. Exactly. And so considering these are, you know, athletes, we don't want to see anybody's careers being, yes, fortunately, they're in good enough health that these shouldn't be life-threatening concerns, but they could be career-threatening concerns. Mm -hmm. And so... It's unfortunate to see, you know, this game being pushed back, the Premier League, because for the most part, been doing really well at keeping their players protected and safe and not having to cancel anything and, you know, keeping both the competitive integrity, but also the safety and, and player integrity intact. And, you know, maybe this is just a blip on the radar and a sign that their system's working. Hey, they called it off precautionary. Let's get everything back on the on the right track. But... Uh, hopefully it's not the sign of a, you know, crack in the armor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's not, it's not the sign of, of bigger things to come. Yeah. We're, we're hoping it's a sign that the armor works, not that the armor is uh fallible. Yeah. Exactly. We can move over to the Bundesliga. We had match day nine and we saw Bayern continue their supremacy at top of the table with a three, one victory against Stuttgart, seeing the usual suspects, Coleman, Lewandowski, Douglas Costa scoring for Bayern as they reign supreme at the top of the table. Leverkusen's unbeaten streak continues despite getting the nil-nil draw. I know that kind of burned you a little bit, bud, but Leverkusen has been an impressive form. Five wins, four draws in the league so far this season. The... You know, there's a game you don't have mentioned on There's here. a game I don't have on the docket. <laughs> and that game burned me even more. Yeah, Dortmund drop against FC Köln to... The winless FC Köln. Still, yeah. they do remain winless. Oh, no, they, they, they got the they win. Won. You're right. There wasn't a draw. One. It was 2-1. to one. That's right. Yeah. I had Dortmund or draw. Thorgan Hazard's goal was not enough to bring them back. It's Schalke who remains winless. It's Schalke who remains winless because that is the next. I mean, Dortmund just lost. They didn't look good. They had trouble controlling the ball against the Köln team that has never had possession in the Bundesliga leading up to this week. Uh, a brace for the midfielder whose name looks like Shikri. I, I'm not quite positive how it's pronounced, but gets himself a brace. Wins over a pretty good Dortmund side. Dortmund fall to fourth place in the Bundesliga. But Schalke remains dead bottom. Winless. Three draws on the season. Three points to their name. And the only positive storyline coming out of a 4-1 loss this weekend was that American Matthew Hopp 
striker for a, a striker hailing from the States, makes his debut. He looks okay, but Schalke look really, really bad. Yeah, it was really just a, a, a bummer. You know, again, we've said this last week, but I know they're your rivals. I know you enjoy rooting against them, and, and you know, you like to see them fail in some senses, just like we like to see the Cowboys struggle. However, in a league that has the relegation system, I think it would be bad for the Bundesliga as a whole and bad for the sport of soccer in Germany for Schalke to be relegated. And so, yeah, you know. it's rough. I mean, it happens. We've seen teams fall from fall from their premier status. I mean, there's teams that are now in like the third and fourth divisions in English football that were once winning. Well, and, you know, we're going to see we're going to see Rexham, you know, eventually surge back up to the the likes of the Premier League to the likes of the Premier League. Hopefully, over the Despite next couple Despite the fact seasons. that they did take their first loss today. They took today. their first loss since being acquired by new owners today, but a 1-0 a 1-0 beat isn't the worst beat. We can move, though, to the Serie A as the Italian league has plenty to talk about, starting off with Napoli honoring Maradona and securing a 4-0 victory against Roma. Uh, Maradona, a longtime Napoli player, uh, very much a heart and soul of the Napoli side, beloved by fans, uh, an absolute star for the side. His passing, you know, obviously makes an impact, and they... They impress, Trace Martins impresses uh, with the 4-0 win. An interesting game, a surprising game. Lazio kind of crumbled against Udinese, losing 3-1 to off, uh, off Udinese's surprisingly very effective, very strong counterattack. Yeah, I mean... Lazio has been kind of a mess of late, which is why, again, I expected Dortmund to get the result tomorrow against them in the Champions League. They, You would expect them to be able to right the ship soon in this area because there are enough bottom feeder clubs in this area that a team like Lazio should be able to get back on the horse, but... It's not going to happen against a good team, and, and Udinese's shown in, that they're capable of putting these kinds of results together. Mm-hmm. Milan, on the other hand, I want to say surprised me because Zlatan's absence, Zlatan to me has been the engine that has had that team roaring. He, I mean, he's been the the most effective in that offense. And they seem to be pretty lethargic when he's been gone. Kind of like the way that Juventus can't seem to score without you Ronaldo on the pitch. Milan has seemed to have that same sort of lack of creative touch without Zlatan on the pitch, which is why I was really surprised to see them pull off the 2-0 victory this past weekend against Fiorentina, a side that seems to be getting their act together and, and playing pretty decently. Inter, though, has really been the team that, again, they're my they're my pride and joy in the in this area. 
they have you know Antonio Conte's got them playing really hard and solid three nil victory this past weekend to keep their pace you know with their crosstown rival AC Milan, but another inspired performance today too. Uh, you know we mentioned how they're in that group of death, but Inter came back from being down two to one to Munchen Gladbach and. Romelu Lukaku put the team on his back. Mm-hmm. Second half brace to bring them from down 2-1 to up 3-2. Guy's got the shoulders for it. Yeah, right. I feel like he could carry both he could carry both of us and all of our recording equipment. Oh yeah. We could p- record the podcast on his back on but location. This team has some fight in it. They refuse to quit. Yes, they can drop the matches they should win, but this year, maybe it's COVID, maybe it's just 2020, or maybe it's just is the world football getting more competitive, but it seems like every team is dropping matches they shouldn't. Even teams like PSG and Bayern aren't on the tears that they've been on in years past. No. PSG in the first three weeks of the season had already had more home losses than they had the entire previous season. You know, it's Giants seem slayable mm-hmm. in in this 2020. And so I think we can see Inter Milan taking, taking or, or at the very least one of these Milan teams are going to be unseating Juventus in the Serie A because Juventus really just can't seem to get their footing right now. No, Pirlo is really struggling to get this team in its top form. But it will it will remain interesting to see. We have another interesting league, a league that is facing its own shakeups. La Liga, Sociedad, top of the tables right now, but their win streak has finally come to an end after a 1-1 draw with Villarreal. Yeah, it was really an exciting matchup. Ends with the 1-1 draw, which I feel like both teams would be frustrated with. Both teams felt like they had ample opportunities to get this win. But I think the bigger surprise is where Sociedad still sits, even f- dropping the points to Villarreal, considering the fact that Barcelona and Real Madrid have just been continuing to struggle. Mm-hmm. And Atletico's looked human as well. Mm-hmm. We did see Real lose to Alaves 2-1. to mm-hmm. They lost in the Champions League today 2-0 to Shakhtar. Actually, I think they got one back, but either way, might have been. They, they lost, still lost to Shakhtar. Yeah. Barcelona has also just, it seems like up until this week, didn't had no sense of direction. No, very much a lost team. They did manage to pull out a 4-0 victory against Os- Osasuna. Maybe that's a, a rebuilding point. You know, Messi said he, he dedicated his performance to the late Diego Maradona. Mm-hmm. and Fellow Argentinian. Yeah, fellow Ar- Argentinian. And, and, you know, maybe that sparks something. Maybe, you know, a player who was such an inspiration to so many players in the sport, maybe especially with how much Messi and, and Maradona had a relationship Maybe that's suddenly the fire that they needed. You know, it would be an interesting place to draw inspiration from. But it, nonetheless, mm-hmm. I I don't know. 
But right now, it seems like the Giants in La Liga, none of them seem hungry enough for it. No. And we're going to have to keep an eye on, you know, where that, how that shape shakes out the following few weeks. And we're just a few weeks away from the transfer window. Yes. So that's going to be significant. Opening soon. We have just a, a little bit of League One news to touch on. PSG talking about top clubs dropping performances. PSG drops points after a 2-2 tie to Bordeaux. A game they were leading, but they just couldn't hold on to. And it's a Bordeaux side that's not very inspiring. Yeah, and then we saw Lille draw a little bit closer to them as they got a 4-0 victory versus Lorient. So, keeps that French league a little bit more competitive than it's been of late. Mm -hmm. I still imagine PSG pulls away with it, but... I'm I hey I'm a biggest fan as any as as these massive clubs and these beat up leagues being kind of brought down to earth a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm all here for the shakeup, and I'm always happy to see Renato Sanchez start to find a little bit of success and with his with his French side. But we can come back stateside because we have MLS Cup playoff news to talk about. Yeah, the New England Revolution beat. Orlando City 3-1, to one, and they'll move on to face the Columbus Crew, who beat Nashville 2 to nothing For the conference final. We did see, unfortunately, our union eliminated last week. I don't think we've talked about that. It was... Did we? I think we talked about it. It's getting really hard to track, but I'm pretty sure... When they play. Played Tuesday. We recorded Monday. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They, the... they lay off. Threw me off. Yeah, and so it was a brutal loss. The the officiating was absolutely horrendous, and honestly... So was the union's performance. So was the union's performance, exactly. I've checked in and checked on the highlights of a lot of these matches, and, you know, so we could talk about them, and, and so, you know, we'd have these talking points, but it really took my interest out of these MLS Cup playoffs. I was so hyped for the union... You know, getting their trophy, you know, finishing top in the league, home field advantage, top seed, and then they just lay that egg and it's, again, exacerbated by really just poor officiating, uh, you know, a lot of diving, embellishment. Uh, there sh- I honestly think there should have been calls for simulation, and yet... Here we are on the outside looking in, and, you know, these should be some good matchups. New England versus the crew. These are two storied franchises. Right now, Seattle's playing against Dallas, and then Kansas City and Minnesota are going to play Thursday. You know, all all year long, I've had a little soft spot for Minnesota. I think they might be able to work some of their magic, even though they're heavy underdogs again. And their keeper is perfect on penalties in the postseason yeah so it could be a lot of fun but it's uh it just left a bad taste in my mouth the way that the union went out this year yeah the spirit's a little sullied it was a it was a real bummer just a bummer of performance just leaky out the back the attack didn't have much going forward but all credit to New England. They they've had a very tough road. They faced 
supporter shield winner. Then they had to face Orlando City, which was well, the analysis comeback Not to mention winner. they had to start with a play-in game in the first place. Exactly. So they've it, they've gone through a very tough road to get here and all the credit to them and it'll be very interesting to see that Columbus Crew side facing off against them. Jesse Zardes, always a notable name in this MLF playoff series. So we'll be looking forward to it, but we can I mean, he's a one-man highlight reel. He really Zardes is. just makes plays all over the place. And, you know, that Seattle versus Dallas game, it's going to be an interesting one. It's still nil-nil. I just double-checked it going into halftime. But, def- you know. Someone's got to advance. Yeah, Seattle, they're the more storied team, almost the team you would just in your gut expect to. But that Dallas team, they've been... Uh, you shouldn't count them out. No, nope. they, they they've been known to not even past the ninetieth minute. Exactly, they've been they've been known to really shock people. So, again, these playoffs should be fun. Uh, you know, maybe get back into it. But uh, it was a punch in the gut that it Union was. game that I needed a little bit of time to recover from. It was tough. Well, we can move on to some NBA news because we got a little bit to talk about. We've got some some. Plans being made. One plan made by one player, Andrew Bogut, retires from basketball. Former number one overall pick. uh, A big man who carries a lot of weight with his name. Some say bust, some say project that wound up flourishing later. But Andrew Bogut ends his his basketball career. Yeah, it's, you know, I think he... Is a bit of a lightning rod, you know what I mean. He, he he's very. Some people will come out strongly against his, you know, against him and say he was a waste, he was a bust, you know. You especially if you look at some of the guys that went later in that year, but. Fifteen year career. He exactly. If you're around that long, you're doing something right, and and he found his niche, and he he. Ended up, you know, figuring out what worked for him. And he, you know, ended up sometimes having a bigger role, sometimes having a smaller role. But you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There was still a place for it in a changing league. And again, 15 years, there were plenty more first-round picks that didn't even play a fifth of that. Exactly. You know what I mean? So best of luck to him moving forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll see him around once in a while oh, yeah. uh, as an analyst or, or you know, he'll, he'll doing float the around, gauntlets. Do something somewhere. We have another per- another big man on the move. Yeah, Hassan Whiteside moves uh, to the Sacramento Kings just on a one-year deal. So, you know, we could see it, maybe there's a little bit more of a prove-it type thing. Maybe wasn't getting the offers he wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, the Kings are a team, they do have some exciting things going on for the first time in forever, but at the same time, they're not really a contender out there in the West. No, the West is a a brutal side this upcoming season. It was a brutal side last season. It's, it's going to be brutal for the again. last decade. Well, it's, I, it, well, it got more brutal this past, this previous offseason season. 
this current offseason. It's gotten even more interesting. It'll it'll be interesting to see how that deal shakes out. It'll be interesting to see if he stays with Sacramento or if Sacramento winds up moving move. at the deadline. Exactly. exactly. That's what one year deals are for. Someone who's denying wanting to move around is Victor Oladipo after rumors rumors not rumors rumors surfaced that he wanted out of Indiana. Apparently, Indiana might not have like the same nightlife that cities like Miami or Los Angeles have, which was shocking to me. I I thought that place was popping, but he denies. Wanting to leave, he says he's focused and ready to get back to work with this Pacers side. You're a big Victor Oladipo fan. You've had him on fantasy basketball teams. You've kept track of him. You loved him when he was thingamajig on The Masked Singer. How do you feel about this news? I think he's towing the company line. I think he wants as much money as he can get when that free agency time and when it's time for him to sign that new deal. And whether it's with Indiana, the Pacers, to stay or or on a sign-and-trade or just in free agency, the right thing for Vitor Oladipo to say is, no, I don't want to leave. I'm focusing on this next season and whatever I can do to make my team better and improve my game and, you know, get back to where I was before my injury. Like, like you, you say what he's saying no matter what. Even if every single day Victor Oladipo screams at the top of his lungs, I hate Indiana, I want to get out of here. He's still going to come out when asked by the reporter, uh, you know, at the, after practice or, or on Twitter or whatever, wherever the platform, he's going to toe the company line because that's what his agent's telling him to do. And that's what the best thing is for him in order to get the biggest payday when the time comes. My thoughts as far as Victor Oladipo staying or going, I think Victor Oladipo makes 29 other teams in the NBA better and he's flexible he's good offensively and defensively he can score he can create his own chances obviously we still haven't seen him return to form to what he was before that devastating injury but I would still take Victor Oladipo every day of the week Mm -hmm. well we also just have one more piece of NBA news NBA has announced the Christmas Day games, and there's some pretty good ones. We have a LeBron James versus Luka matchup as the Lakers have to take on the Dallas Mavericks. And we have another interesting matchup in Zion Williams facing off against Jimmy Butler as the Pelicans have to take on the Heat. Yeah, I think it's going to be a hell of a Christmas Day. Really look forward to these games. Especially Christmas is on a Friday, I believe. Ooh. So we're not getting any of the NFL games this year. Well, actually, I don't know. This year, you never know. Yeah, we're getting NFL games out. every day of the week. But, you know, Lakers-Mavs, that Dallas team has proven itself to be lethal. And 
Zion is just such a fun player to watch, and we look forward to seeing him healthy and maybe in his first full year of action with the Pelicans. And so, you know, and who knows what that Heat team is going to be like trying to run it back after a really successful year last year. So, look forward to these. It's it's going to be a good it's going to be a good restart for the NBA. I think Adam Silver, like we said, would pull it off. Has them starting in time for Christmas and saving the day. Absolutely. Now we can go to the league that doesn't have a play to return to play. They they say they want to start January 1st, but they've done nothing to get there. We've got the NHL, and we've just got a couple little talking points in this NHL docket. First, uh, and really, honestly, it's not even that It's not good news. We have Johnny Boychuk, long-term veteran defenseman in the NHL, playing for the Islanders this past season. Ops for retirement after an eye injury sustained this season really put his playing days behind him. It looks like this eye injury is going to be significant enough that uh, it's not worth the quality of life issues that he would be having facing forward to play another NHL season. It's It's a sad loss for the Islanders. He's obviously a defensive stalwart, sad for the game seeing players have to leave early before they would probably choose of their own volition to go due to injury. But nonetheless, we say goodbye to Johnny Boychuk's playing career. Sad story. Johnny Boychuk was a great competitor. Uh, I say was. I mean, he still is, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. The player, Johnny Boychuk. These eye injuries are really serious in the NHL, and I find it astonishing the amount of players that have still put up resistance to adopting even the clear face shield. Chris Pronger, Johnny Boychuk, uh, a family friend of ours, or, or like, you know, acquaintance Colin White, who won a couple of Stanley Cups with the Devils. These guys took eye injuries. Some Billy of them- Lano? Yeah, really. I mean, and and some of these guys even just in practice, uh, you know. These, but they take these eye injuries and the migraines, the headaches, the the depth perception issues, all of that that they then have to deal with, and the fact that it ends their multi million dollar Hall of Fame possible, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, careers. It's really just a shame that the league hasn't found a better way to protect players i mean really hockey players are tough son of bitches you know what i mean like yeah. they're, they're they're really the toughest they're, they'll play through just about anything but the the places they're padded up they do all these things but there's like there's like three places where they're really vulnerable it's like the mouth the throat the eyes and it's like it's a shame to see players of this stature and, and uh, these greatness and fierce competitors not going out on their own terms due to these freak injuries and then also in a lot of cases having to deal with the repercussions of it for years and years and sometimes the rest of their lives another sad headline coming out of the nhl this past week fred sasakamus one of the first indigenous players in the national hockey league he was a player with the chicago blackhawks organization uh, and played also for their junior team Passed away after fighting COVID-19 due to some lung damage. He was 86 years old. 
obviously, both in the United States and in Canada, the relationship with the indigenous peoples has been uh, very poor and is something that, moving forward, both nations are looking to work to correct. And Fred was obviously a leader in that and a very honorable notable figure in Ontario, Canada. And uh, we, you know, hope for uh, the best for his family and that his legacy goes on as, you know, the indigenous people both in Canada and here in the United States face uh, and fight for justice as it continues. Yeah, I mean, he was a trailblazer. There's no doubt about it. You look at the way that society has treated native peoples has been very poor, but uh, a way that society has kind of adopted and then maybe accepted or extended or whatever started to mend that process has been through notable athletes and their contributions you know, we look at the way that Jim Thorpe Absolutely. is remembered and looked at as one of the most prominent Native American athletes. And, and you know, um, Fred Sasakamoose, you know, being a, a Native Canadian or, or, you know what I mean, one of the Canadian indigenous, indigenous peoples, peoples um, did a ton for them in the sport of Canada, in the, in the sport of Can in the sport of hockey in the country of Canada. But I mean, you could—they're interchangeable, pretty much. Um, and so we'll remember him. Uh, it's a shame to see another iconic person taken down by this terrible virus. And we hope that this gets under control soon. Absolutely. Elsewhere in the NHL, on a little bit of a lighter note. Seattle Kraken GM Ron Francis is uh, says he is under no pressure, no rush to find a coach. You know, still another year away from them actually taking the ice for the first time. Ron Francis, though, I got faith in him. I think he knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been around the sport and the league for a long time. Absolutely. And I think people are just a little bit anxious. You know, not too long ago we saw the Las Vegas Golden Knights when they entered the league only hired their coach three months before the draft started. Exactly. So, it, you know, there's no rush for this. And I, I think, not to echo Ron Francis, but I think he's, he knows just what he's doing. Absolutely. Got a few weird things, off-the-cuff, oddball things to talk about this week. You know, couple things from the world of sports that don't fit into our normal buckets of categories here but for starters we saw history as sarah fuller kicked for vanderbilt over the weekend mm -hmm. came the first female to start in one of the power five conferences in the ncaa just the third female i believe to start any college, college football game at any level mm -hmm. and it's a big moment she kicked off kick was pretty decent Landed in bounds. There was no return. I think that qualifies as a success. Unfortunately, it's the only time she was called into any form of action the whole day as they were held off the scoreboard. 
She didn't attempt any field goals. No. And therefore, no additional kickoffs either, other yes. than the one that is allotted by the rules of the game. So, yes. we do see, though, that she will be called into action again this weekend as their kicker is still not cleared to return. Mm -hmm. And so maybe she'll have the chance to get on the score sheet, become the first woman to score points yeah. at uh, the college level. Just want to note, Sarah Fuller is the champion with Vanderbilt's women's soccer team goalkeeper. She can kick the ball very far. Saw her kick a ball from behind the half line and reach inside the penalty spot. So she's got one heck of a leg on her. She's on... Uh, at Vanderbilt on that scholarship, and after an impressive championship season, she is now the most winningest player in that locker room of a kind of rough Vanderbilt football team this year. We have another story as Mike Tyson draws with Roy Jones Jr. for the AARP belt as the 54 and 51-year-olds squared off this past weekend. Yeah, it was a really exciting matchup. We watched a lot of this card together, and... Quite frankly, the, the one thing that I, I think was most disappointing or upsetting about it was that they called it a draw. I think Tyson looked far and away the more dangerous and dominant fighter throughout the entire event. I think Roy Jones was pretty consistently on his heels, backing up into the into the corners and then re resorting to a clinch, clinch to, to kind of kill time and regain his composure. He took a lot of really devastating body shots, and I think if any of those headshots connected at the same power level that he was given the body shots, Roy Jones would have been on the canvas. Oh, yeah. And so... If this was all out, for sure, not even close, Mike Tyson destroys Roy Jones. And here. so I think for, you know, television purposes, I think for charity purposes, I think for whatever you want to call it, they called this a draw. And to have a second one. So they well, yeah, that's what I mean, to have a second one, too. I mean, but overall, it was kind of disappointing, the outcome, but it was a lot of fun to see Iron Mike back in the, in the, in the ring stepping inside the ropes again. It sure was. And also on that ticket, we saw human cancer cell Jake Paul knock out basketball's Nate Robinson in a, a first-round KO. Uh, Robinson, quite aggressive, not ready for it. Gets knocked out by Jake Paul, and Jake Paul then proceeds to call out Conor McGregor for a fight. And the real winner of this was the internet. We got a lot of great memes out of it. It was interesting seeing the NBA world react to, uh, to Robinson being knocked out. You know, a lot of these guys, former teammates... You know, Robinson st still relatively young, but has a career that spans back quite a while. So he's, he's played on the court with quite a few notable NBA players and uh, got embarrassed in front of the whole country. Yeah. So, you know, the meme game was pretty great coming out of it. It was fun seeing the sports world react. But, you know, Jake Paul's a total fool. And I hope McGregor beats his ass, even though really these things are just a joke to watch. I mean, none of any of this felt like legitimate boxing or yeah. felt like any form of a legitimate, you know, athletic competition. On brighter news, Dr. Fauci said that he believes stadiums, he thinks, will be able to return to close to normal capacity beginning in June 2021. I mean, not full capacity immediately. Obviously, this is going to be, a, you know... 
a slow process, a trickled process where they use numbers and, and science and analytics to do this properly. At least I'm, I'm hopeful of all of that, you know. Well, and Lord we're also knows. hoping for vaccine rollouts with, with high success rates and et cetera, et cetera, to see this facilitating. But Dr. Fauci looks optimistic. Yeah, the... and, you know, I trust him more than pretty much anybody on yeah. this, so. And lastly, this is a little bit of a fun topic, or we, an interesting it's one. It's the last one on the docket, but we do have one more thing to talk about. Well, yeah. The Parkour Earth Group, who claim responsibility as being kind of the caretakers of the parkour sport or hobby, in France are urging the IOC to reject adding the sport to the Olympic Games in 2024. Yes, that's take place, I believe, in Paris? Yeah, because they believe that there is a hostile takeover happening from the International Gymnastics Federation trying to claim it as a gymnastics-based event, even though these athletes... Don't identify as such. So this is, it's going to be interesting to see how the IOC rules. It could actually, though, set a precedent. If it is added to the Olympics, then from that point on, it would be under the governing rule of the Gymnastics Federation, which would maybe create some red tape hurdles, etc. You know, so... For parkour athletes looking to participate outside the regulation. Well, there's also the... Uh, you know, I saw various things in the article talking about how each section of the Olympic Games, so like there's the gymnastics, there's the track and field, there's, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. are allotted, uh, allotted a certain number of athletes mm -hmm. at the games. Right. So the fear of the parkour people is that if it is added they would maybe be snubbed for other gymnastics people because the gymnastics group is only allowed a certain number of athletes. It's caps. And the parkour people, I don't know. That's weird. A fascinating thing with regards to this is parkour really is just a very new thing and there's not really like that many sanctioned competitions for it, but I'm really excited for the possible Will Ferrell movie that's going to come out mocking this whole power struggle. Uh, you know, it's inevitable. Uh, it's inevitable, exactly. One more oddball thing to talk about: we saw Phil Mickelson partnering up with Charles Barkley, <laughs> and then beat Peyton Manning. And Steph Curry in a round of golf. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty goofy. It was quite the spectacle. But uh, I think the thing we have to remember here is, like, only one of these four people is a professional golfer. Like, that would be like being like, hey, man, I've been hitting the, uh, hitting the bike a lot recently. I'm thinking me and, you know, a couple of these other people who are in good shape are going to compete with Lance Armstrong for cycling. It's like, no, that's not yeah, even, that's not how it works. Uh, like you're talking about uh, like, you know, that's implying that Phil Mickelson's been, you know, 
balling out lately, so yeah. he's he could beat you know yeah. Seth uh, Steph Curry in a game of horse. Yeah. Like that's not. It's not the same. It's not quite the same. Listen, he was partnered with Barkley. I get it, but he was against a football and a basketball player. Uh, but I, I'm I'm saying Barkley was not the dead weight that we thought he was, and that's the most compelling storyline out of this. They were playing alternating shot, which it, means if, as long as Barkley just didn't totally catastrophically mess up. But you've seen his golf swing. Yeah, but he golfs. Okay. Okay. We'll agree to disagree. We can agree to disagree because we can move on because we've got plenty of uh, some... Well, not plenty of baseball stuff to talk about, but lots of baseball stuff to talk about, and I'm excited to talk about it personally. Yeah, the MLB is planning a wood bat league. Yes, this wood bat league would serve as a uh, retaining-type league for draft-eligible prospects to play together. Uh, Founding members so far located uh, in State College, the Trent Thunder, a personal favorite of mine, the West Virginia Black Bears and the uh, Williamsport Crosscutters are also added in. And the Mahoning Valley Scrappers also hopping in there. And the MLB is looking to add a six team into this league. Yeah, it, I mean, you know, the MLB has a little bit of a problem right now. They had the revenue losses, and, and I think out of all of the leagues, they were probably hurt the worst. They because the MLB relies the most on the day-to-day fan revenue. Yeah. That's the, why they have 162 the gate, games. Exactly, the gate sales, all of that. And so, and the minor league system as it's existed to this point has also been a money drain, yeah, which was sick. which was compounded by this so i think this is a good solution we're glad to see the trenton thunder continue to survive they're obviously a local favorite around here some of the best pork roll sandwiches ever at that ballpark and so we're we're pretty stoked we also you know this is a different note but i thought this was kind of funny speaking of teams with revenue losses the phillies right now are, are in a bit of a pickle and they've been kind of you know they're worried that they you know it doesn't look like they're going to be able to contend to re-sign JT Real Muto and, and John Middleton kind of snapped the other day and, and said well they're not going to be able to afford it because the team he, he projects lost over two billion dollars in revenue because of this COVID thing but Forbes has the whole team valued at two billion dollars so it, does that mean that we could buy the Phillies right now for for nothing. Yes, or the, for zero dollars. We could. Look, I've sent Bernie, them the Bernie, check. Bernie, stop recording. I've sent. Bernie, them. we have to go. Already, we have to get in the car. I already mailed them the check. Okay, then we're good. Yeah, I gave him four dollars, and I'm hoping he takes it. Uh, he might. He, I mean, after all the money they've lost, he needs that four dollars back. In other MLB news, this developing story with Tony Larusa. Weirdly hired as a manager this this off season, this pat this past off season. Yeah, Grandpa Tony. Grandpa Tony, is planning on changing his plea in his drunk driving case. Originally pleading not guilty, his changing the plea probably means 
dropping one of the words in that previous pleading. Yeah, he he's gonna plead not, which is uh, which is interesting. No, uh, yeah, probably interesting legal tactic. Yeah, probably pleading guilty to this. Um, you know, I still don't think that impacts his job. I don't, I don't think, think it impacts so. his status with the club, but. It's embarrassing. Just a, it just and it just continues this weird saga. <laughs> like uh, the weirdest story of the off season just continues to get weirder. Yes. Now, highly respected, also ancient manager, Tommy Lasorda, is finally out of the ICU. He is now recovering and doing rehab in Orange County, California, at ninety three years old. Yeah, we're very happy to see this. You know, Tommy Lasorda, ninety-three years young, one of the all-time greats. Absolutely, three thousand games as manager. I mean, yeah, come on. With a brush there, you know, good to see him back on the right track with things, and hopefully uh, improving to full health and maybe being sent home soon. Yes, absolutely. Back with the uh, get back with the family. But we can move on to NFL news because we have plenty to talk about, and this NFL season has been rough. It's just been a roller coaster. I mean, from start to finish, you and I didn't think it would it would continue. We didn't think it would get this far. If I'm at least if I'm being honest, no. I didn't think it would get this far. I, d- I didn't think we were going to see Week Eight. And yet here we are, twelve weeks into the season, and yet. It's been such a roller coaster. I don't know if we've seen a crazier season than this. No. We're getting ready for some Wednesday night football tomorrow, which is the first time I've ever seen it. I've seen Tuesday. I've seen Thursday. I've seen Saturday, Friday, Sunday, Monday, you name it. But I don't think I've ever seen Wednesday football. It's not even Wednesday night. It's going to be Wednesday at 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, Wednesday happy hour game. And it really... I don't expect it to be all that competitive either. The Ravens are still going to be a skeleton of their normal team. They're still playing without their normal quarterback, Lamar Jackson. They're playing with only some of their running back rooms. Players are trickling in with approval, uh, you know, needing the minimum amount of, you know, clean tests before they're able to rejoin and, 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 you know, pass to be allowed to play so it's going to be interesting but they're not going to be a full team it's going to be a fraction of their roster out there and i expect the steelers will continue their perfect run and put the ravens in even a tougher spot as they fight for what now is inevitably going to be one of those wild card spots absolutely it will be an interesting case we have to talk about it because it's news, but I, I don't want to do it. You do it. You started. Well, on Monday night, the Philadelphia Eagles were embarrassed, really, by the Seattle Seahawks. The Na- score line is namely closer. DK Metcalf. The score line is way closer than the actual game was. Twenty-three seventeen is the final, but the Eagles were helped by a last-minute hail mary to help bring it from a two-possession to a one-possession game. Richard Rodgers did have an impressive one-handed catch on that Hail Mary. But, on the ground. Yeah, but it still, it, we were, I've never been less excited about a Hail Mary in my life. It was really a bummer. The 
play calling was abysmal. The offensive line was terrible. The quarterback play wasn't great. The receivers couldn't get open. The defense actually was really impressive for a large portion of this game, except they just could not figure out DK Metcalf. He's a freak of nature. We all know it. He's dominant. He's one of the most incredible athletic specimens I've ever seen. He's up there with Calvin Johnson. And he burned us. There's no other way to put it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know who also burned us was Jim Schwartz mentioning that Calvin Johnson comparison, telling him before the game that he just doesn't think he's there yet. Really adds some fuel to the fire that kind of melted the steel beams of this Eagles team. Yeah, it's really a bummer. They do find themselves now in third place behind both Washington and New York, only ahead of that abysmal Dallas team. And there's no real signs of a turnaround. With no. We have Green Bay and New Orleans, I believe, in the next two weeks. and yep. two real cupcakes coming in there. That's so. not going to be fun. Elsewhere, we see the 49ers getting kicked out of their home. They yes. will be forced to relocate to Arizona after contact sports have been banned by the local government there to stop the spread of COVID. This despite the fact that there really hasn't been too much evidence to suggest that contact sports is a big spreader. Yes. As, and, but, you know, maybe that's at the NFL level. Yeah. The NFL, they've been taking precautions and, you know, with relative success, but we have seen our issues. But maybe at the lower levels, high school, middle schools, counties, and things like that, maybe this is an effort to try and, you know catch that yep uh it's santa santa clara which is where the 49ers play the county announced that they were just restricting uh basically all contact sports were banned for the next few weeks yeah i guess they're just trying to i don't know like i this is also california which has had weird issues with this COVID 19 crisis on on both ends of it, they've had places where numbers have skyrocketed, places where they've had almost no numbers. California's been struggling with the virus, and now a 49ers team's forced to scramble to relocate. But thanks to the generosity of the Arizona Cardinals, they'll be able to play their home quote-unquote games for Week 13 and Week 14 in a uh, in a different stadium. In other news, how does Adam Gase still have a job? I mean, I know how he still has a job. The Jets really have no problem with getting the number one overall pick. I think at this point they'd be pretty thrilled, and maybe they just don't want to make this change midseason, but... I guess. I don't know. you got to pay him no matter what, right? I think there's incentive, if you're the Jets too, to not go 0-16, and maybe they think... They're more likely to win with Adam Gase than without Adam Gase. Than with their interim head coach, whoever that would be. Yeah, this despite the fact, though, that I think we saw the interim head coaches step up and maybe energize their teams. We saw it happen in Atlanta after their rough start, and then Dan Quigg getting fired, and then we saw it with Bill O'Brien getting fired in Houston and Romeo Cornell taking over. So Yeah, we're still waiting to see what kind of impact it's going to have for this Lions side now that Matt Patricia's got marching orders. Yeah. 
Another person who's got marching orders, Will Fuller, who may have played his last game as a Houston Texan. In the last year of his contract and going into a free agent year, Will Fuller was just suspended for six games, along with teammate Bradley Roby, for violating the league's PED policy. Fuller was a huge name around the trade deadline. I was linked with the Eagles quite a bit. Honestly, pretty happy we didn't take that move. They were asking for a first or a second. Would have been a big price to play for a player who's now going to be on the sideline. Will Fuller a local product? I honestly wouldn't hate to see him in Eagles Green next year. No. Maybe even at a discounted rate with this suspension being a factor, but with Eagles' current salary cap situation, I don't know how likely that's going to be. It does seem unlikely. This is a this is an interesting storyline to come out uh, post the Thanksgiving Day success of this. Yeah, Thanksgiving Day massacre that uh, that Will Fuller levied, put up like 177 yards and two touchdowns yeah, or something he was like that. Get tested. Yeah, I mean that's if you can't be doping and putting stat, put up stat lines like that. It's your it's a recipe for disaster. You're putting, you're putting a marker on your back for sure. And so, yeah, headline there, like I said, Will Fuller may have played his very last snap with the Houston Texans team that drafted him. That'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Interesting thing to keep your ears to is Jerry Jones' incoherent ramblings. This most recent one centered around the QB fiasco that the Denver Broncos faced, having practice squad wide receiver, who hasn't played quarterback since 2017 in college, before getting drafted, to the Dallas Cowboys team having to start their seventh round draft pick from this past draft, Ben DiNucci, for a couple games. Yeah, I mean, this is so disrespectful on so many levels. First of all, I mean, Jerry Jones should just shut his mouth. Every time he opens his mouth, he embarrasses himself. Yet, here he is, flapping his gums. Denver Broncos really had a really bummer, difficult situation this week. He kept on sitting there being like, oh, they got all this sympathy and we got none. But they had all of their quarterbacks, including their practice squad quarterback, not allowed to play the game because of potential COVID risk. Mm -hmm. They were in a meeting, maskless, with somebody who tested positive, so all of them were barred from playing. Like you said, as a result, a wide receiver. Yes, he played quarterback at some point, but so did Lane Johnson. All right. It'd be like asking Lane Johnson to fill in at quarterback because he played quarterback at some point. This is somebody who hasn't been actively looking at a quarterback play sheet or calling plays as a quarterback or reading defenses or watching game film from a quarterback perspective. Any of the above. In years. Since college. In 2017. In years. And yet... Jerry Jones wants to compare that to the quarterback that he drafted, who is a quarterback, who has been a quarterback on this Cowboys team since the day he signed there. Like, like it's a total joke. It's such a slap in the face to a player who's still on that active roster in Ben DiNucci. And Jerry Jones should fine himself 
Yes. He should fine himself for conduct detrimental to the team. Yes. If any other player came onto the radio and said those kind of things, they would be fined or suspended. Or if they weren't that good, cut. Exactly. Unbelievable. Speaking of fines, we just saw the New Orleans Saints get the latest team in the league to be hit with non-compliance fines or penalties for not following the league's COVID-19 protocols appropriately. Mm -hmm. Saints were fined $500,000 and are being docked a seventh-round draft pick for having a maskless post-game celebration in Week 9. Now, it's funny. We're seeing a lot of these come out weeks later. Mm-hmm. You know, this one's coming from week nine. I believe the last one that we saw was that the Raiders had one. I think it was the, I mean, the most recent one just before this was. was the Colts? It was the Patriots. Oh, the Patriots. The Patriots who got one for uh, Cam Newton's positive test from like week three, but it just happened this past week, and they got a $350,000 fine. Yeah, so it's crazy the way that the league is looking into this. I wonder if it's complaints that are filed that they then trickle are, in. Yeah, is there some sort of ticketing system? I mean, it's just weird the way they're jumping around week to week. You know, yeah. are we going to find out in two weeks that the Eagles violated something because J.J. Ortega-Whiteside tested positive? Or are, are the Broncos going to be penalized for their mishap here? Or is the fact that they were basically forced to lose a game and national embarrassment penalty enough? Like, it's a interesting line that the NFL and is walking here and an interesting precedent that they're setting. And I'm curious as to how this is going to be enforced and how strictly as the season wraps up. And if there's an appeal process and for, you know, what that appeal process looks like for yeah, these teams. Yeah, especially for losing these draft picks. I mean, these are something that teams really covet. Draft picks are assets. The teams can trade them and, and you know collect dispense you know what i mean do all of the above and and so and they you know at least with howie roseman like all of the eagles moves strategically they keep in mind what the draft pick impact whether yeah yeah, what assets they have even with the compensatory picks or, or things like that nature like there's a lot that goes into this, and so docking those is really significant to these teams. Yes, you could say, oh, it's just a seventh, but what if they get hit again? Well, do they then lose the sixth and the seventh? Do they lose, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be something worth keeping an eye on. And also, if this is something that spans beyond just this year even, you know, with the possibility that COVID lingers into next year or moving forward, could this be the type of thing where we see specific suspensions for particular players or again multiple you know it, it would they instead of taking a second draft pick from this year maybe move to take a draft pick from the future mm-hmm. so i don't know it, it's definitely something to keep an eye on i mean this covid situation has been difficult to navigate for players teams everybody but it doesn't seem like it's going away in the immediate future and teams are going to need to figure out how they're going to deal with this for at least the last six weeks of the season and playoffs. It'll be, it'll be very interesting to see, but that just about wraps it up for us here at the balls over the top podcast. 
uh, as always, you can find us on our social media handles on both Twitter and Instagram at BOTT Podcast. Uh, love to hear from you. Love the feedback. If you guys want to be on the show, want to call into the show, feel free. DM us. We'll get you on. We'll get you hooked up so we can have you on to the show. Love hearing from you guys. And what else, Michael? Well, we still have stickers, two and a half inch stickers with our logo on them. Really great, especially with the holidays coming around the corner. You could throw them in a stocking, you know, could be something fun there. So give us a shout and we will be back with you very soon. We actually do not have Thursday night football this week because of the scheduling changes. I believe Baltimore was scheduled to play this Thursday as a result of their game being pushed back six days from when it was originally scheduled, their game for this upcoming week gets pushed back as well. We do not have Thursday night football. As a result, you can expect our episode coming to you a little bit later this weekend, probably Friday or Saturday. Keep an eye on that. Yeah, but we'll have it up. But yeah, we'll still be coming to you with our NFL picks. Yes. That wraps it up, guys. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us. And have a great week. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon.